Amen. Amen. And this morning, I want to um, thank the senior pastor and the leadership of the church for the opportunity to minister his word and to share his word with us. In actual fact, this morning, it appears that the Sunday school, the morning word, and also the song that was sung after Sunday school has laid the foundation for the word that God had given me to share. And I want to share on how important is my neighbor. How important is my neighbor? How important is my neighbor? And the scripture we will read will be from Luke chapter 10. Verse 25, and I would like us to read to verse 28 in the first instance. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 28. It says, And an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you understand it? And the expert answered, Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Amen. Notice that the original question the lawyer or the legal expert asked was, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And two things were important that he talked about. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And the second one, Love your neighbor as yourself. And in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 to 38, Jesus described these two as the greatest commandments upon which all the law and the prophets hang. These two. He says, as the greatest commandments and all the law that we read, all the prophets hang on these two. Two things. Love the Lord your God. The second one, love your neighbor as yourself. So this, the lawyer seems to have asked a very critical question, which I believe we must also ask ourselves today. The question he asked was, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And then, when Jesus had had confirmed all that he said, he went on to ask another important question. He said in verse, um, verse 29, he said, But willing to justify himself, Jesus asked, he asked Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Now, I want us to pause and ask ourselves that question. I just want each of us to think for a minute to ask ourselves, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? 
It is a very important question. But to help the lawyer answer this question, Jesus told him a story. And the story is what we read in verse 30 downwards. And he said that a certain man went, was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell into the hands of robbers or thieves who stripped him and beat him up and went off leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road. And when he saw the injured man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan... But a Samaritan who was traveling came to where the injured man was. And when he saw him, he felt compassion for him. He went up to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper saying, Take care of him. And whatever else you spend, I will repay you when I come back this way. And Jesus asked him, which of these three did you think became a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? So Jesus told this story. But if we look at verse 30, it says that the man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now Jericho is a city on the West Bank. It's in Palestine. It's not in Israel. Now, it's in Palestine. And Jericho is the first city that Joshua and the Israelites attacked when they crossed the Jordan. That was the very first place they attacked. And we remember them going round the walls of Jericho six times. And on the seventh time, they gave a big shout and the walls fell down. It was the very first city they attacked. And that was the city of Jericho. And after that, Joshua cursed that city and said, This city is cursed. Whoever will attempt to build it will build it when he's giving birth to his firstborn and will finish the gate when he's giving birth to his lastborn. This city is cursed. So Jericho is a cursed city. And so this man... Who was going? He was going from a city of blessing, Jerusalem, down to a city of curses. It is not a city that ordinarily you would expect somebody to be going to. But that's where he was going to. And the Bible says he was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among thieves. As we run our Christian race, as we live in the kingdom of God, there will be some people who for some reason will go down to Jericho. They are in Jerusalem, but they will decide that I am going down to Jericho. There will be neighbors who may decide to go to Jericho. They will want to go back into the world. Instead of pressing up on the upward way, gaining new heights every day, they may think of going back to Jericho, going down to Jericho. And as they go down to Jericho, they are likely to fall among thieves. Because the Bible says that thief comes not, but to kill, 
to steal and to destroy. And the greatest thief is the devil himself. And he works with a gang of thieves. So if we go down to Jericho, we are likely to fall among thieves. And when they get hold of us, they will beat us up. They strip him of all the blessings that God had given him. They beat him up. And then they left him half dead. Praise be to God, they didn't kill him. They left him half dead. So there was some life in him. So the question is, what is our response when our neighbor decides to go to Jericho and he falls among thieves and they beat him, they strip him of all that he had before and then leave him half dead? What is our response as a body of Christ? Notice the response of the priest. The Bible says, there came a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So he didn't stop. He just continued and passed by on the other side. So if the man was lying here, he just did eyes right and went down on the other side. Then came a Levite. The Levites are leaders and workers in the house of God. Those are Levites. And the Levite too, the Levite's own was even sadder. Because the Bible says that, and when he came, I'm reading from King James. When he came, when he was at the place, he came and looked on him. So he didn't just pass by. He actually went there and had a look at him. And then he passed by and he left. So what was going on here? How come the Levite and the priest did not help this man? A lesson, me as a priest, and you as a Levite, we will have to learn. How come we didn't help this man? Is it that they themselves needed help at that point? Since maybe they were also on their way down to Jericho. We don't know. What were they on that road for? Is it that they perhaps needed them to help them? Or is it that the priest and the Levite thought they were so busy with God's work that they didn't have time to stop to, to deal with this wounded man? It is a lesson we will have to learn. So the lesson for me. So the Bible says that the sword, the, the, his word is a two-edged sword. It cuts this way and cuts this way. The lesson for me as somebody who is in the priesthood, is that do not be so busy that you can't stop to pick up the wounded. That's the lesson for me. That's the lesson for us as leaders. Then the lesson for those who may just be church members, who may not be a leader, who may not be a pastor, is that God is actually not expecting all the care and concern in the kingdom to come from the priests and the leaders. He's expecting it to come from each one of us. And the Samaritan stands in for one of the members of the congregation. He's expecting, he knows that the priests are few, the Levites are few. But there are many of us. 
And if we each care for each other, as the Samaritan did, we probably will be covering everybody. And what did the Samaritan do? Let's put verse 33 on the board. The Bible says the first thing he did was that he had compassion on him. He had compassion on him. That was the first thing in verse 33. When he saw him, he had compassion on him. So that was the foundation of what he had to do. And in verse 34, he went to where he was lying. The Bible said he went to him. Same as the Levites went to him, but turned away and went. But he went to him. And then he poured in wine and oil. Wine represents the blood of Jesus Christ. The cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. He went there with that cleanser and cleansed the wounded man. Then he poured in oil. And oil represents the Holy Spirit. The restoring power of the Holy Spirit, the renewal of the Holy Spirit, the counsel of the Holy Spirit, the comfort that comes with the Holy Spirit. He poured these two into the wound. And he didn't leave the wound open. He covered the wound. He bandaged him, covered the wound. He didn't expose him to others to let everybody know that here are the wounds of this person who was going to Jericho. He bandaged the wound. He covered the wound. So that was the third thing the Samaritan did. He covered the wound. So we see that compassion is just not enough. Just having compassion from a distance away is not enough. We need to go there. We need to pour in wine. We need to pour in oil. We need to cover that wound. And when he had applied the blood and applied the oil, he had bandaged the wound. The next thing he did was to spend resources on him. He got him transport. The Bible says in um, verse 35, he put him on his donkey. That was the transport in those days. Put him on his donkey and transported him to the wound. He spent money on transport. Then his time the Bible says that he stayed there and took care with him. And on the morning, so he stayed with him another day and he spent his time. Then the third thing he did was to take money and give to the innkeeper and say, Please, take care of him. When I come back, I will pay whatever else I owe. So his resources, material resources, his time, his transport went into caring for this wounded brother who went from Jerusalem to Jericho where he shouldn't probably have been going. Now let's take a moment and look around us. Your neighbor is missing. Your neighbor is missing. My neighbor is missing. Our neighbors should be filling these chairs. They are missing. Your neighbor may be sitting right here. He's here, but he's not here. He's here, but he's not here. Your neighbor is missing. My neighbor is missing. Is it that my, our neighbor is waiting for us to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to him? Is he waiting for that? 
to come into the kingdom? Is it that the neighbor is waiting? Is it that our neighbor has not left Jerusalem at all, but he's unwell, he's right here in Jerusalem, right in the kingdom of God, right in the household of faith, and he's ill, but is in the household of faith. Is my neighbor here, but not here? My neighbor is missing, your neighbor is missing. Is it that my neighbor is probably right now on his way down to Jericho? He hasn't fallen among the thieves yet, but he's on the way. And he's on his way to Jericho. Right, still traveling toward Jericho, away from Jerusalem. Is it that, that is why my neighbor is missing? Or is it that he has finally been caught by the thieves, beaten, stripped, and left half dead, and he's hoping that me or you will come and come and carry him or her and pour wine and pour oil and bandage those wounds. Is that our neighbor is lying somewhere by the roadside, waiting, watching, and hoping. I'm sure that man was hoping, oh, I hope somebody will come and help me. I hope someone will come and help me. I hope that somebody will come. God sent somebody to come and help me. Is it that my neighbor and your neighbor is waiting. And what has my response been? What has your response been? And what is it going to be? Is it Ochia says her right? Is that my response? Is that your Ochia says her right? Is my response and your response on is that what our response is going to be? Okay, then we have trouble. Okay, then what happened? Me they are fake, right? Yeah, na kangbeno. You know me angbeya. Finish the finish the show. Oh, is it that? Is eh? Finish, 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 me. Eh? What was he going to do there? Or are we going to behave like the priests and the Levites? Either look or not look at all and do as eyes right and go. My neighbor is missing. Your neighbor is missing. Or is our response going to be like that of the good Samaritan that Jesus himself described? He himself described that man to us. Are we going to be like the good Samaritan? Have compassion. Go to him or her where he is. It may not be where we expect him to be, but that's where he is. That's where she is. Go to where he or she is. Apply the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ to clean. Apply the restoring and renewing power of the Holy Spirit to rejuvenate and strengthen. Bandage them up. Cover them. Cover them such that they are covered and not exposed to ridicule. Be ready to sacrifice resources to restore and heal the wounded. This was what the Samaritan did. And this was what Jesus described to us, his children. I challenge each one of us to go look for our neighbor. I must go look for my neighbor. You must go look for your neighbor. We must go look for our neighbors and apply the Samaritan principle of good neighborliness. 
Because in actual fact, my neighbor and your neighbor are very important for our Christian work. Whether we like it or not. The song we sang this morning, it says, It is His will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. I pray for you. You pray for me. I love you. I need you to survive. With words from my mouth, I love you. I need you to survive. And why am I saying that? We are important to each other in our survival. I want to take you to Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, which we read this morning. Another clear statement from Jesus Christ as to what he expects us to do. And if you look at Matthew chapter 25, you see that he separated sheep from goats. This was Jesus sitting in judgment. And then he himself is narrating this to us about what will be happening. And he said, when the Son of Man comes to sit, all the nations will be gathered. And he will separate sheep from goats. And how did he classify the sheep and classify the goats? He told the sheep, when I was sick, you look for me. When I was down, you look for me. When I was in prison, you found me. And he told the goats, who had no clue as far as they were concerned. They didn't really see, ah, why have I become a goat? With all the things that I've been doing, how come I have become a goat? And that's one too. He explained the classification to, to each group as to why people are sheep and people are goats. So Jesus is basically telling us that we need each other. And the second Commandment that he said was the one of the most important was love your neighbor as yourself. Now at the last supper, Jesus made a very profound statement at that supper. Let's go to John chapter 13, verse 33 to 35. John chapter 13, verse 33 to 35. 35. So don't forget that all of these things that we are saying is coming right from the master himself. He said, little children, yet a little while and I am with you. You shall seek me and as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. By this shall men know that you are my disciples, if you have love. So this was a profound... Jesus had worked with these disciples for many years, three years, he had taught them. They had done miracles. They had done many things. And now he was having a last supper and was about to leave them. And he told them, I've told you many things, but I'm giving you a new commandment as I'm leaving. I'm giving you one new commandment. Love each other 
the way I have loved you. That is how people will see that you are my disciple. So that love is actually infectious. And if it is not there too, it becomes a canker. If it is there, it's very infectious and soon covers everybody and draws everybody in. Now what we would need to understand is love. The ingredient of love and the word of God are the container that when people come into the kingdom, we bring them in. That is what makes them stay in the kingdom. Otherwise, it becomes a leaking hole and we bring them into the kingdom and they escape from out of the kingdom. We bring them in, they escape. We bring them in unless that container of love and the word of God is there. We bring them in, they will escape. So we need that container to hold people in the kingdom and keep them in so that when the Lord shall appear, they will be found within the kingdom. That is the container. That is the container that holds the people that we bring into the kingdom. And we add the word of God and it stays in the kingdom. And if you look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, it is clear that this was happening there. If we read Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, the Bible says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as will be saved. We are important to each other. We are important to each other. In conclusion, I will ask the question again to me and to you. Where is my neighbor? Where is your neighbor? Can we ask each other, where is your neighbor? Where is your neighbor? Where is your neighbor? Where are you, when are you going to look for your neighbor? <laughs> so, we need to find our neighbors. We need to find our neighbors. And each of us need to go and look for our neighbors. And if each one of us finds one neighbor, imagine the rejoicing that there will be in the kingdom because one soul has been restored into a kingdom. One soul that was almost escaping out of the kingdom has been brought back, restored, strengthened, and is standing on his feet to expand the kingdom of God. And when we find them, let's apply the Samaritan good neighborliness principle. Have compassion on them. Pour in, go to where they are, exactly where they are. 
pour in the cleansing blood, pour in the oil, bandage the wound, carry them, put them in a safe place, care for them, spend resources, get them established, restored, and they are on their feet to do God's end time work and to help all of us as we do the, the, the work of the kingdom. Let's not forget that our neighbor is important for our accountability before the Lord. We can't escape accountability before the Lord if we ignore our neighbors. Each one, my neighbor, your neighbor, is important in our accounts before the Lord, as we saw from the sheep and the goats. And then when we have done what is needful, then the Lord will say, Come you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom, Prepare for you from the foundation of the world. Amen. Amen. I need you. You need me. We all are part of God's family. Agree with. Agree with me. We all are part of God's family. It is His will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. I pray for you, you pray for me, I love you, I need you to survive, I won't harm you with words from my mouth, I love you, I need you to survive, it is His will that every You are important to me. I need you to survive. Shall we rise as we go into prayer? We want to just come before God. This morning we heard about faithfulness in what the Lord has given into our hands. Now we are hearing about caring for our neighbors. We want to come before God. We want to look around us. And we want to ask God, let me have the grace to reach out to my neighbor. I have sent before you. I have left my wounded neighbor. I have looked the other way. And now I want to restore this neighbor. Help me. Let's ask for God's help. Because God will not send angels down here to do that work. We are the vessels that he will use. He will use me. He will use you. And when the soldier has fallen and is wounded, it is the other soldiers who carry that soldier to safety. We cannot leave our wounded behind. We must carry them along 
heal them, get them healed, bandage them, and get them restored. We can't leave them behind. Let's just pray. Father, we come before you. We have neglected our neighbors. We have neglected each other, oh God. But your word has come even to show us what to do. We thank you for your word that points us in the direction we should go, oh God. Shows us what we have done wrong, oh God. Causes us, oh God, even to move the right way, oh God. We ask, oh God, for grace, oh God, to be able to do this work that you have given to us.